Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. David Weaver and Megan Wall. Securities offered through HD Vest Investment Services. Member SIPC. Advisory services offered through HD Vest Advisory Services. 6333 North State Highway 161, 4th Floor, Irving, Texas, 75038, 972-870-6000. SWC Wealth Management is not a registered broker-dealer or independent investment advisory firm. It's now time for User-Friendly Finance with Dave Weaver from SWC Wealth Management on News Radio WHP 580. If you have a question for Dave, call 540-0580. Now with today's show, here's Dave Weaver. Hi, good morning. This is Dave Weaver with SWC Wealth Management. Welcome back for another week of user-friendly finance. And we'll be talking today one more shot at taxes, and then maybe we'll have another chance uh, in the month of March. But we'll try to go through some of the common questions. If you have questions as you're having Paul or putting together your own personal tax return, give us a call. We'll be glad to try to cover them to the the extent that we can and um that'll be the subject of today's show once we get past the market update and a little bit of information about swc wealth management we're a full service financial planning firm with offices in carlisle and palmyra and our both offices can be reached at 706-0700 with area code 717 or you can reach us uh toll free at 800-326-0662 but primary our primary contact number is 706-0700 and Via that number, you can reach us at both our Palmyra and Carlisle office. The web address is swcwealth.com. The Palmyra office is located at 103 West Main Street, which is about a block off the square, and it's um, right smack dab on 422, so you won't have any trouble finding that. It's a old Victorian building, looks great, and again, about a block off the square in Palmyra. In Carlisle, the office is at 35 East High. Again, we're a block off the square. Uh, directly next to the old prison, if you know what that looks like, a giant castle-looking building about a block off the square in Carlisle. The services that we provide are what you would generally find in a financial planning firm. We do retirement planning, which includes uh, looking at your 401K or your uh, retirement plan at work and trying to help you figure out the best way to invest that. Uh, And general retirement planning, we put together a full-blown financial plan where you take the assets that you have, try to project them out, and determine if you have enough money to, to retire in the lifestyle that you want or the custom that you or the uh, in the uh, with the plan that you have and living the lifestyle that you want in retirement. And uh, we usually, by the way, start with that, uh, with the uh, objectives that you have in retirement for how much you think you want to spend, where you want to spend it, try to get a good picture of where you want to be in retirement. Then we look at the assets you have, the saving that you're doing, and try to project over time whether or not you can reach uh, your financial goals through your lifetime. And in our plans, we use a 95-year-old life expectancy for women, 93 for men. And if it's longer in your family or shorter in your family, you can accommodate that. But generally, we have to assume that you're going to live a long life rather than a short life, and we want to plan it in a way that gets uh, the things that happen in retirement to you to be what you want them to be. So if you want to plan a trip every year or every two years, 
that's something you build into your plan. If you want to have a car every five years, a new car, and you want to pay for that, or if you want to include that in your budget, healthcare right now is the biggest question we have in our financial plans, but um, that's because there's a lot of uncertainty just about healthcare in general. How's the new Obama plan going to work? The uh, Obama plan replacement, I guess. And uh, what's happening to healthcare in general? It's a big unknown. So lately we've been breaking healthcare out in our plans and making them a separate line item and people are using their best assumptions. It's very difficult because you don't really know. We're just doing the best we can at estimating it. We do estate planning, uh, which includes uh, you know, helping you to work with a, an attorney to actually create an estate or trust if, a trust if you need one. Um, but we work with you to help evaluate the assets in your estate, figure out if you have a, a state tax issue or federal income tax issue, and um, help you plan for what you're going to do when you pass at 93 or 95, I guess, according to our plans. But um, the uh, you also review your beneficiaries, make sure everything's uh, the way you intend that. We try to make sure people have a will. We don't do wills, but we try to make sure people have one. And if they don't have an attorney, get, try to get them connected with one. We do college planning and tax planning, and that'll be the subject today that we're going to cover on the on the call is not tax planning, but taxes if you're having trouble working on your current income tax return. Um, we're just now getting into the blows of it as you um, as you start to work on the income taxes this time of the year. It's always um, it's it's hard to get started, and it is always it's always good for me when it's done. Uh, we do insurance, uh, life insurance, long term care insurance, variable annuities, equity indexed annuities. All those services are available. If you have any kind of need, we try to match an investment that would match your need. We try not to match the the need to the investment. So um, we don't. We want to make sure that we're doing the right thing for you with the plan that you have and uh, with the best protection that you can have if you are wanting to protect your assets rather than having them uh, fully subject to the market, which is what can happen if you're just in a regular uh, investment account. Uh, you're fully subject to the ups and downs of the market. So anyway, two offices, Carlisle and Palmyra. If you want to set up an appointment, give us a call, 706-0700, or via the web at swcwealth.com. So what's happening in the the, the uh, stock market this week? The stock market, again, is setting records. They continue to advance with improved evidence that we have a, a better uh, U.S. economic recovery going on or rebound. Inflation seems to be coming back just a little bit. Uh, we have, again, we had record highs during the week. Bond yields held steady, and it looks as if the 10-year Treasury is still struggling a little bit, which is... Even with all the strong economic data, the longer-term forecast from the bond prognosticators, anyway, is staying about even, which is actually down at a little bit from a week ago, just barely. It went to 2.415 from 2.43, so that's a slight drop. Again, we're keeping an eye on the 10-year Treasury just as a way to look at what the long-term markets might have in mind because you have typically you'll have an equity spread a little bit above what that 10-year Treasury looks like, maybe 4 to 6%. So you're talking about right now that will put us in the six to eight percent range on the equity side, and you know over ten year periods. So that's that's a little um, a little lower than historic numbers. So hoping we, as we keep an eye on that ten year treasury, it'll gradually keep up as economic news looks better. Oil prices dipped uh, a little bit from fifty three thirty for Texas crude versus fifty four ten last week, and global Brent uh, fell to fifty five sixty from fifty seven ten. So 
oil dropping just a little bit, uh, 10-year Treasury dropping just a little bit, the market now at record highs again, uh, the VIX, um, the VIX index, which is the uh, exchange volatility index, actually edged up a little bit to 12 from 10.9, so a little more volatility in the markets, but gradually rising up. We've had a long string of good economic news for the United States, and it looks like um, hopes are intensifying that we're going to be able to get some kind of a better um, prospect with the uh, various things that we have going on in the Trump administration. What we're telling our clients is what we covered last week with uh, Gary Honig. I don't know if you were able to listen last week, but Gary Honig from Putnam was in here talking a little bit about their view of the markets, which is seems pretty consistent with what we've been telling our clients, which is that we're expecting, you know, at least a year to two of moderate growth with the potential if uh, the Donald Trump administration is able to get their economic policies through Congress and we can get past, I guess, get past all the uh, cabinet appointees and all that process. And I guess the next thing will be the the uh, the judge, the uh, Supreme Court justice. That'll be the next big thing, I guess. But aside, you know, with all that going on. We still are trying to get, or he's trying to get started on his economic policy and get his income tax uh, modifications moving and try to get them in place. Those are the things that appear to be the things that will get us on a stronger track for growth in the future. So with that, we'll take a little bit of a break. We'll take a, do a little bit on the markets, and then we'll talk about taxes, questions you might have, things as you're working on your own taxes or traps you may have fallen into and want to warn other people about if you want to give us a call after the break, 540-0580 or 800-724-5801, you can uh, give us a call. This is Dave Weaver with User-Friendly Finance. Uh, there's, there's good music to start the uh, the next segment. <laughs> we'll, we'll be off and running. Uh, just a couple of other things on the market as we go before we get into our talking about the income taxes. Again, if you have a question on your income taxes or just something that you want to say about the tax season this year, Give us a call at 540-0580 or 800-724-5801. And um, anybody that calls and gets on the air, we'll give a, a $10 Panera gift card. We're, I think we're back on track for getting those out on, on a good schedule, so that's all good. Back on the markets. It looks as if um, uh, Janet Yellen is talking again. She's re- reiterating our case for rate hikes. Um, because of these strong economic reports and the market's uh, looking better, the U.S. Federal Reserve is expected to rate to raise rates sometime in the first half of 17, maybe as soon as next month's meeting, which will be in March. Uh, there's a lot of talk about that possibly happening. Uh, when they raised their rates in December, they talked about the possibility of three rate hikes. Now they're saying that it looks more probable uh, that we'll have two rate hikes in, between now and the end of the year. So maybe one in March, one in June. That's about what we're that's the, what we're currently looking at. And, again, that's all going to depend on the economic numbers. One of the things, again, that we talked about last week is one of the big concerns about the um, administration and the, the forecast of a Trump administration is that there's a lot of concern for the long term that some of these policies being U.S.-centric may cause backlash from international trade partners. And uh, a couple weeks ago when we had the blip with the uh, in the markets with the immigration the announcement of the immigration policy, but more importantly for the economic numbers, the 20% uh, trade tariff on Mexico goods, that's a sign of what can happen in the markets if we start to uh, agitate international trade partners in the long haul. So that's been a concern, something to just keep an eye on. International 
right now is following the- with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The U.S. as the U.S. is doing well. International international markets are sort of following. The bond market had a quick reaction to the Fed rate hike and is coming back from that. So all the markets are gradually pulling up. But international is definitely a, a concern. And one of the things that's in the minds of in the international world is that a couple of years ago, around June, I think it was two years ago, we had a big problem in the markets. So a lot of people remember that um, Greece was having trouble paying back their debts to the European Union. <clears throat> well, apparently they haven't been, even though they had made concessions and had agreed to pay back a lot of the money, they're, are, they're not making all the payments that they're supposed to be making, <clears throat> and they're trying to... Um, they're actually renegotiating those right now. Gret's debt is right. Greece's debt right now is unsustainable, and under the existing deal, they're going to be in huge trouble if they can't start to make some payments. So that's causing a lot of problems. And some of the uh, more right-leaning elections that are happening in Europe are going. To, this is going to be a big issue as we head into those. <clears throat> and <clears throat> Greece again is is going to be a big issue. It was before. And even though it's a small country, what we talked about before, <clears throat> a couple years ago when this was happening, it was two years ago in June, <clears throat> when Greece was such a small part of the market, it still has the ability to have international repercussions that go way beyond the scope of how big our economy actually is. We also mentioned that Donald Trump is having some trouble with his um, pick for Treasury Secretary. Uh, hopefully that'll be – he got through the Senate, was sworn into office shortly after so. That'll be the tax reform that uh, we talked about earlier is the next big thing that's going to be on the Trump agenda. So those are some of the things that are happening in the markets. Uh, markets are closed tomorrow Tomorrow for President's Day. Uh, China reports their trade date on Tuesday, so it could be a big week for uh, some of the things that are that are that that will drive the markets. China is always a big concern. If they don't come in at expectations, that causes a lot of trepidation in the market, so we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, the market being focused hopefully uh, gives it the market a day to rest, and then it'll come back strong following the holiday. The Dow so far for the year is up 4.36%. S&P up a little over 5 NASDAQ is at 8.46, driven by a handful of stocks. And the uh, S&P mid-cap is up 45 and the Russell 2000 is up 3.2. So all <clears throat> the, the primary measures of the equity markets are looking positive for the year. So... That's all good, and um, with that, I guess we'll go ahead and move on to our subject of, you know, taxes and questions you might be having on taxes. Again, give us a call, 540-0580 or 800-724-5801. If you have a question about taxes just in general during the week, you can also call us at our office, 706-0700, or reach us at the web, swcwealth.com. <clears throat> We'd be glad to help you out if your question is too complicated for to cover on the air. So what are some of the questions that people are asking this year or every year, I guess? What are the common questions that people have on their tax returns? Uh, I have a bunch of different things that people are wondering, 
and you know some of the questions that go through our office. So we'll cover some of those. One of the biggest questions always turns out to be who can I claim as a dependent comes up every year. Um, the short answer is that you can claim a qualifying child or a qualifying relative, but they have to meet specific requirements that relate to whether how long they've lived with you, what their relationship is to you, how old they are, and any financial support that's provided by you or any income that's provided by you. Significant others or even friends can qualify. I've already claimed some significant others for people who were living together, um, and the, the, the uh, one person is pl- paying all the, uh, the benefits for the other person. Um, so that's always, again, it's always a, a question. If you have a question about it, you know, talk to us or to call uh, a tax professional that you're working with. <clears throat> one of the things that comes up is, are you paying for more than half the cost of the person's uh, home during the, the course of the year? And what are the things that you take into the account for that? It's property taxes, mortgage interest, uh, rent if you have that, utility charges, repairs on your home, property insurance, food that's consumed on your premises, any other household expenses. You take all that and figure out what percentage that is of your total expenses, and that will help you determine if you're um, covering, if that person's included on your return. With that, we'll go to, uh, we have a call on line one. This is Sylvia and Hershey. What can we do? What, a question we can answer today. Hi. <coughs> or try to answer, I guess, would be better. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious on the, um, the healthcare.gov and the subsidy. Do you know, does a broker get a, a commission or a kickback if they sign a person or a family up for the healthcare.gov site insurance? Uh, yeah, this, this question uh, has come up before. I think that potentially that they do. Um, typically, if you're working with some kind of a broker agent, they're somehow getting some kind of a commission uh, if you're working through an agent to get that coverage. Okay. Um, if you got the coverage then through the the website yourself the, the following year, would they continue to get that commission? Uh, typically, I, well, I'm, not, I'm not really sure how those plans work, but typically if you're not changing plans, even though you're renewing, somewhere else, I think they would continue to get a commission if they were still listed as your primary contact on your on your policy. Okay. Um, I, you know, I sell health insurance, but I, I'm licensed to sell it. I haven't really sold much health insurance. Um, and the reason I don't is because people get so agitated by um, the prices always going up that I just stopped doing it because it's sour. If they did, had investments with me as well, then they would get soured by the fact that the rates went up and you would have to Almost every year, you were shopping around from rate to rate. But I think, in general, if you're if you're working with an agent, um, somehow they're being compensated <clears throat> either directly for the policy you're getting, or some kind of benefit or bonus from their um, from the person who they're they're employed by. And if you if you have a policy that doesn't material materially change and keeps the in fundamentally the same policy, I would assume that they would continue to be on that uh, down the road, even if you didn't specifically work with them like just by continuing to pay the premiums like if you get a life insurance policy for an example and um, you uh, work with an agent and they get an initial commission up front uh, as you continue to pay premiums they'll continue to be compensated but typically in those types of plans it's more transaction oriented meaning they'll get a larger maybe upfront commission and then some kind of a small residual trail 
uh, as he continued to rec- as he continued to sign up. But again, I, I think it would be whether that person stays as agent on your on your account. As you're going through the tax season, are you coming across people who are trying to appeal the outcome of having been on healthcare.gov and the, the government subsidy, and how is how's the appeal process working for them? Have you run across anything? I like that? No, we haven't really. I haven't. I personally haven't run into it much, and I don't know. I'm, I'm, is there an appeal process? I, I'm, I'm. That's the level of my not understanding that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm not sure if the, I, I'm assuming there probably is some kind of appeal process. I'm just not sure how the logistics of how it works. Okay. All but right. but if you if you had an agent that you work with the first time, um, or if you have an agent that you're working with this time, they sh- I would think by law they should be required to give you um, what the appeal process would be. Uh, in the event that you have a problem, I know with our security stuff, if you have a problem with securities, there, there's you, you know, we know the agencies that uh, report, that we report to, and um, they should be able to provide that. Or um, oh, anyway, I'm just not familiar. Should be able to. They should be able to. T- I would should I would think they would be able to tell you what the the right appeal process. If not, their supervisor probably is, or the company that they work through. Okay, all right. But they're all state regulated. I would think the primary way would be to go to the state. Uh, insurance department. Okay. Okay. Well. Um, All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. Have a great day. Thanks. Yeah. Put it on. She's gonna put. Art's gonna put you on hold so you can get the gift certificate. Okay. Thank gift you. Card. Thanks a lot. Hi. This is Dave Weaver on User Friendly Finance. This is Doris in Maytown. Yes. Good morning. Where's Maytown? Uh, uh it's it's east of uh, Elizabethtown. Oh. Okay. Or, yep. or wait a minute. Uh, yes, east of Elizabethtown. East of Town. Okay, what's your question on taxes today? I have a uh, mutual fund, and I received a tax document that talks about the foreign tax paid. Oh, yeah, foreign tax uh, credit. Yeah, and you got to mm-hmm. actually get a credit for that on your tax return. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, if you have – a lot of times if you have an international fund, um, they ha- they're paying taxes on some of the transactions that relate to – international taxes that might be owed. So they report that on your tax return, and if you, depending on what your circumstances are, there's some uh, limits to it or criteria for getting it. But if you um, look on the, I don't know if you do an itemized return typically, but I know on a 1040 it's on the second page Mm -hmm. um, about halfway down the credits, and uh, it's below where your exemptions are, and you'll actually see a line for foreign tax credit, and there's a form uh, that goes along with that to uh, claim the credit. Okay, but that's only if you claim your deductions, right? Right. Well, I think you should be able to claim that credit regardless of whether you um, itemize. That's oh, a, really? Yeah, it's a credit beyond. It's not part of your itemized deductions. It's a reduction of your taxable income. Okay. Could you explain to me uh, what is this QDI eligible? QDI eligible. I'm not sure uh, what that is. Okay. It says if you have QDI eligible foreign income tax. Oh, uh, I think it's. I think that might be qualified domestic income. Does that sound correct? What was that? If you have the, the appropriate amount of income, you can um, claim that credit. Oh. But okay. you, but there's a like I said, there's a form that goes with the uh, foreign tax credit that will go through um, a series of. Uh, a series of calculations that determine whether or not you you qualify for that credit. 
Oh, I see. So let me just see. I'm going to... I was trying to remember the form number. I can't remember off the top of my head. You give me just a second here. Uh. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Yeah, the... Um, now, on here, one of the things they talk about is a form 1116. Is this what you're Yeah, talking? that's the form. Okay. Yeah, and if you, if you qualify for the... Um, if you qualify for the uh, uh, alternative minimum tax, there's also a separate form just for that. Yeah, it's Form 1116. Mm-hmm. And okay. you can do that if you um, if your total taxes paid or accrued during the year don't exceed $300, you can claim that credit. With Actually, you can, I'm sorry, you can claim that credit without filing the 1116 if your foreign taxes are less than $300. Oh, so you can okay. just put you can just claim that credit without actually filing the form. Oh, okay. If your foreign taxes are less than three hundred, yeah. Which which you probably if you have just a mutual fund, it's probably mm-hmm. less than three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, you explained that to me a little bit. I appreciate that. <laughs> sure, it's kind of an unknown thing to me. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, and people don't know that you can get a credit for it, so they don't even put it on their tax return sometimes. Oh, so, okay. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So you get it, I think, without itemizing as well. So. Okay, Okay. Um, with with that, we have to take a break. Art will take your information for the gift card, and we'll be back after the break. This is Dave Weaver with User-Friendly Finance, and um, we'll be back in a second. Thanks. Hi, this is Dave Weaver again with User-Friendly Finance, talking about tax questions people have as they're putting together their tax returns. A couple of good questions already so far. I'm I'm really not familiar enough with the appeal process I know for – what goes on for the health care credit. I don't know why, how the tax preparers got to be the uh, arbiter of the penalties and the, the uh, taxation of uh, the, the uh, health care process, but it really puts us in an awkward position because you're sometimes people are, if you've underreported your income for one year and then gotten the uh, health care credit and then you come back and actually have earned more in the tax year, you can end up with a four, five, six thousand dollar amount that you owe and it is absolutely uh, surprising to people because they weren't expecting it they don't they have no idea it was coming and all of a sudden they owe this big amount and sometimes their income was out of their control the change in income and they didn't really realize it would come back and uh, haunt them in that way if they if it would have I think they would have done taken steps during the year to make sure they were either changing their status or doing something to pay differently or making estimated payments at the very least but I don't know how the tax pay, tax payer has got to be in the middle of it. it. Makes it really awkward, and 
you know, that we're basically doing the um, the work of the IRS for free. We're their collection agent and don't get compensated for it, and we're the ones that get yelled at, <laughs> not the not the not the IRS. So, anyway, <clears throat> the um, another common question is, what's the earned income tax credit? Can I get it, and why don't I get it? Uh, it's a pretty common question, and it's one of the big things that's caused some uh, turmoil this year because the earned income credit generally is if you uh, don't make enough income to file your taxes, or I'm sorry, if you don't make a certain amount of income and have a certain number of dependents, there's a credit that you get that will allow you to get either a credit to the tax that you owe, or in some cases where you don't owe any tax, it'll be put back into your pocket to compensate you for the fact that you are um, basically not earning a level that the government feels is sufficient to to uh, pay the needs of your family. So, as an example, if you have a um, if you have a family with three dependents, you could get a credit, if, and you owe no taxes. You could get a, get a credit, an actual credit, money in your pocket of up to fifty eight hundred dollars, almost fifty nine hundred dollars. Um, it's just a subsidy that the government is giving to help people that are um, deemed to be lower income and have a big enough family to get, uh, you know, a credit. You can actually get it with one one child, two child. It all depends on your income, your earned income, and the number of dependents that you have. This is one of the things, like I said, that's causing an issue right now because the credits or refunds for the people that claim this credit, all of those were held up. And I just read the, in the paper the other day that those are going to be processed on the 27th, so about a week from now those credits will actually start to roll out the door. There was some thought they might get slowed down by a holiday in the middle of all this, but we'll have to just wait and see. So if you ain't claim the earned income credit or the additional child tax credit, all, both of those are um, being held up to give the government time to do a more significant audit on those or verification that everybody is actually entitled to the credits. As a tax preparer, I can tell you they put additional burden on us where before we had to go through a whole series of questions for people that were qualifying for their income tax credit because there's a lot of abuse of it. People are claiming people that aren't theirs so they can, you know, if they have a lower income, they can, by having more dependents, they can get an additional credit or money back when they haven't put, you know, put money in. Um, but the same thing's going for the child credit. And now all the all the additional scrutiny we had to go through for the earned income tax credit, we also have to go through for the uh, child tax credit and the additional child tax credit. So it's a again, it's a credit that you get for having an income or having a low enough income and enough dependents that qualify within this table that tells you that you'll get some kind of credit back to subsidize your family to help them meet their uh, bills during the course of the year. Uh, the Health Care Reform Act right now, there's a, you know, does the Health Care Reform Act affect your taxes? Um, the woman who called in, that, the question she had wasn't necessarily a tax question, but I think behind it there probably is a tax question. may have been one of the people that end up getting, you know, owing money at the end of the year. There is a place on your tax return now that you need to check whether or not you had health insurance for the full year. If you didn't, it could affect your tax return and um, it could affect the amount that you get back. You could actually end up owing if you didn't have taxes for the full year or if your tax return showed an income higher than what you had claimed when you actually applied for your health care the prior year. So it can definitely affect your tax return. Don't be surprised if it does. 
uh, and you should be getting a form from your employer or whoever you have your health care through that says for each person that's listed on your tax return whether or not they had health care and for what year. There's a box that says you have it for the whole year, and if you don't have that checked, there should be a box for every month that you are checked. And if you have multiple health plans, make sure that you have enough, you, you have something that shows you have coverage for the entire year. If not, then they have the ability to collect taxes. Although I had also read about two weeks ago, one of the first things they did in the Trump administration was to stop collecting for the tax for people that don't have health care. So I haven't seen anything additionally on that, but that's my understanding is that that's not no longer going to be the case. So boy, these are a couple of unpopular things that you know might come up on people's tax returns right now. The uh, another common question is our well, two common questions I guess. One is our unemployment benefits taxable, and yes, your unemployment taxable benefits are taxable to at least on the federal side. They're not for the state and not for the local, but they are on your federal tax return. So if you're and we have people get by, surprised by this almost every year where they when you go and sign up for unemployment you have a choice of having tax withheld or not please have tax withheld because one of the worst things you want to have happen to you is if you're on unemployment don't have money coming in other than your unemployment you haven't withheld for tax you get to the end of the year and you owe it's not and you don't have any place to go get the money it's a bad situation so unemployment tax income is taxable on your federal tax return and not on your state and local. Similarly, every every tax season we have somebody who signs up for unemployment the first year and thinks that that unemployment is not taxed, or I'm sorry, not unemployment, that Social Security is not taxed to you. It is potentially taxable to you. If you have Social Security benefits and you have enough income that um, if you have, uh, it's generally around $25,000 for a single person, 34000 I think, if you're married on your tax return. But if you have that amount of income, then your Social Security become, becomes taxable. And the first year, people always assume that it's – they think that it's not. We have somebody, a couple people every year that think that it's not and then are surprised because once, it's, once you hit that level of having it become taxed, it adds another dollar of taxable income every dollar you make over twenty five or the $34,000. So it can be a big surprise on your tax return. Uh, you can withhold on your unemployment just like you can if on a pension or any kind of money that you take from in your IRA. You always have the ability to withhold tax. So look at your personal situation, see if your Social Security is going to be taxed, and withhold if you have to. If you only have unemployment, if you only have Social Security income, then and that's the only income you have. You have no interest. You have no dividends or anything like that. Then that income is probably not going to be taxable to you. Social Security is not taxable to the state, not taxable to the local, and potentially taxable on your federal tax return. So those are two big uh, surprise questions that come up every year. People think it's not taxable, think it's not fair that it's taxed, but whether it's fair or not, it, it actually potentially could be taxable. And the fact that you've worked your whole life and put money into Social Security you know, it does sound like it's unfair, but again, you're getting a benefit for life typically that um, it wasn't envisioned to be a retirement plan. It was a, it was meant to help sustain people that were need and that were needy. Now it's getting now it goes to everybody. So anyway, that's uh, <clears throat> those two things that are surprise taxability things. I just had this next question. I came up with these list of questions before the show, but the um, 
this next question actually applied to my daughter this year. She had moved, and uh, the question that she had was, can I deduct my cost for searching for a job? And um, <clears throat> are the moving expenses to the new job tax deductible? And a couple of things that um, the answer to that is maybe. It depends on um, how far you move and a couple of other factors, but it potentially is tax deductible. You know, consult with a tax professional about your personal situation. See if those jo- those cost the job costs are deductible, and if your moving expenses are deductible. Uh, I think generally, in order to claim the moving expenses, it has to be more than fifty miles from your old from your new work location to your from your old residence is generally the way you claim the the moving expenses. <clears throat> but again, those are only in certain circumstances. It's not always deductible. Uh, check with your tax preparer or do a little research before you try to claim it. Just don't assume you can claim it because you moved. So with that, we'll take a break. We're on um, the subject of income taxes. If you have a call, give us a call at 540-0580 or 800-724-5801. And this is Dave Weaver with User Friendly Finance. We'll be back in a second. Hi, this is Dave Weaver again with User Friendly Finance as we wrap up on the subject of uh, taxes. <clears throat> SWC Wealth Management, we have uh, two offices were located in Palmyra and Carlisle, uh, 35 East High Street in Carlisle, 103 West Main in Palmyra. Both can be reached at 706-0700 if you want to contact us during the week or swcwealth.com if you want to find out a little bit more about us and uh, get in touch with us if you have any questions during the week. So um, we're still in the deep in the throes of the uh, tax subject, and boy, I always hate tax season. I'm always glad when it's over, but... Um, it's always interesting to hear what the questions are. So this is Richard in Lancaster. Hey, Richard, how are you Hi, today? Dave. So Good. what kind of question do you have? Well, I have a lot of credit card debt. Does that, how does that affect my taxes? Um, credit card debt doesn't really have any effect on your taxes as long as you still have it. Um, if you are able to uh, get that canceled, however, um, some people like uh, will go to a credit card agency or whatever, or uh, if you hear radio ads or newspaper ads or television ads that t- say they can relieve you of your credit card debt, uh, they'll go in and negotiate a, a settlement. And a lot of times what happens with those is that you'll get cancellation of debt. But the problem with that from a tax standpoint is that they'll potentially come back and give you a, it's a 1099C. It's just a form that says how much debt was uh, forgiven. And I I don't think it's always all the debt, but it's some portion of the debt. And that comes back and looks like income on your tax return on the front of your 1040 if you do a long form. And what happens, I had somebody that had, I don't know, had twenty or $25,000 forgiven, showed up on their tax return. Um, They already had issues with money. That's how they had $25,000 of credit card debt forgiven. But it also added right onto their tax return. You owe tax on that money if it comes back. I never thought it was fair. Back in the day, you used to be able to claim credit card interest on Schedule A, just like you did with your mortgage. And at one point, they took that out as a as a as a viable deduction. But they still treat this income coming back as if you had bought something that would have been giving you a tax deduction. So you're paying tax on something that you may never have gotten a deduction for, would have nothing to do with your tax return. Let's say you bought a a, hot water heater and you couldn't pay for that. Well, that's not a good example because there are credits for that. But if you bought a stereo 
and um, couldn't pay for it, they forgive it. You get a 1099-C. It would have had nothing to do with your tax return when you first bought it. You didn't get credit for anything on your tax return, and yet they're going to penalize you as if you did. So you didn't get a deduction of your income at all. Now you're going to get taxed as if you had um, earned additional money. And that's the way they're treating it, like you have new money coming in, and you never would have gotten a deduction for it. I've just never thought it was fair. Yeah. I don't know if that's your. Spe- I don't know if that was your specific question, but that's that's the be- that downside of getting your credit card debt forgiven. If you get into a credit card problem, it's always difficult. I, a lot of times, I'll just have <clears throat> people consult a uh, a bankruptcy attorney, not because they need to declare bankruptcy, but because they can better understand what the implications are of working with these companies that forgive debt, as well as um, they might be able to get their debt forgiven without some of the. Uh, charges that those companies charge, and also if it if you're in a deep enough situation that you require um, bankruptcy, at least you're considering it as an alternative, you know, rather than continuing to carry the burden of a, a huge amount of credit card debt. So yeah. I don't know. Does that does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Okay, um, Art will grab your information and we'll get you a. Uh, Panera gift card, ten dollar Panera gift card, and thanks a lot for calling. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Richard. Thank. Yep. Bye. Okay. Um, so some of the other questions, and this one, the next question, I'm very familiar with, uh, with regard to taxes. Um, what are the implications of withdrawing money early from a retirement account? Retirement account, early withdrawals from a retirement account typically will have a ten percent penalty plus whatever tax. Uh, would have been owed on the money that you took out. So the problem with that is that, <clears throat> excuse me, it could have uh, multiple implications to you. But, again, the biggest implication is that if you take it out before you're 59 and a half, and that's, the, that's considered the, or the earliest age that you could take money from your time of plan without a penalty, sometimes a pension will allow it sooner than 59 and a half if the plan rules allow you to take an early pension at, say, age 55. But generally, money from an IRA, 401K, uh, any kind of retirement plan has a 10% penalty if you're not 59 and a half, and then tax at whatever your tax rate is. So if you're, as an example, in the 25% tax bracket, you take out money because you need to pay some bill, you'll have a 25% tax, 10% penalty. So in essence, you're paying 35% to get that money out so that you can use it early. So it's really typically not a good idea to take money out of your retirement. Other than the fact that it's pulling from your retirement money, that's intended to be retirement money, you're getting a huge penalty for taking the money out early. One of the bigger problems is people that are in a simple plan and haven't been in for two years, Those and this is the only type of plan that has this type of penalty, there's a 25% penalty for money taken out within the first two years of starting a simple plan, which is a small business retirement plan. Uh, We have quite a few of those. I think we probably have 25 of those simple plans, and we always make sure people know not to put money in a simple plan that you can't afford to put in because of the 25% penalty in the first two years. So that's a a big one to watch out for. People, again, are surprised by that. And if you're taking money before you're 59 and a half from your plan, make sure that you – Make sure that you talk to somebody, your plan provider, to make sure you understand what the penalties are and look at your own personal tax situation to, to see where they fall in. Uh, education credits, if you're <clears throat> pursuing any kind of post-secondary education, there are credits that you can get for pursuing that. And it could be 
It could be a two-year college. It could be any post-secondary education if you're pursuing a second career or whatever or just one additional education. Um, there are benefits typically there for uh, full-time or at least at least half-time college students. There's a, you know, there's a maximum credit that ends up to be around $4,000 during the first four years and um, at least $2,500 uh, beyond that. So the credits are depending on the number of uh, the amount of expenses you have. Typically, the credit you get is for true out-of-pocket dollars. So if you have scholarships or grants, let's say you have tuition of $10,000, have scholarships or grants that are $5,000, the amount of money that would qualify would be $5,000, not $10,000 <clears> that would qualify towards the credits. And typically, you can get the co- also, in addition to that, the tuition costs, you can get the expenses for books and anything that's required by the class. So don't forget those. Those are a big credit. Most of the people that um, have kids that are just starting college are fully aware of that because they're, you know, the, the amount of the bill is, you know, staring them right in the face. They get to their tax return, you get some benefit for it. But if you're pursuing education for yourself, not for your kids, it's easy to forget you actually do get credit for that. If you're, as an example, if you want to pursue a truck driving school or a bartending school or whatever, those uh, expenses are deductible. And just because they don't have a four-year degree or two-year degree doesn't mean you can't you can't claim them. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The um, I think those are I guess home office deduction is another big expense or big question that we get a lot. People think, okay, I've got a home office. Can I deduct that? You have to be able to have a legitimate business reason for the deduction. It can't just be used because you use it to pay your bills. That's not considered a home office. You have to have a home office that's either regularly used for the for your own personal business or if your employer doesn't provide space um, in their workplace and you're forced to work at home. And associated with this are some of the expenses, the non-reimbursable expenses from your employer are also deductible. Both of these costs, if you're not having a Schedule C, if you have a Schedule C, you can claim home office deduction. If you do all of your bookkeeping and that type of thing, if it's your only office, you can claim those expenses. It has to be a separately delineated portion of your house, but you can claim the direct expenses for that. You can claim a portion of your mortgage interest, real estate taxes, um, any of your utilities. All of those are prorated based on the square footage of your home. If you have a daycare, a lot of people are already familiar. If you own a daycare, that you can deduct a lot of those expenses in a similar way. Your home expenses are deductible, just like you would for any other kind of business run out of your home. So if you have a question about this and you think you qualify, talk to a tax professional or do some research before you try to claim it. But it is a legitimate business expense, and you can't just claim it if you have an office in your house that you pay your bills. You know, those are the, I guess that's the general thing uh, regarding that. And I guess that was that was really kind of the big ones that I wanted to try to cover. If you have, um, <coughs> excuse me, Art and I were just talking about <coughs> hobby losses. If you have hobby losses, try to be careful that you. If you think you're engaging in a business that's not that's just you're claiming a loss for five years in a row, you're eventually going to get caught or picked up by the IRS for 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 doing that. If you have too many, I think it's either two or three out of five years you have to show a profit. It's a little bit extended if you have a horse. <clears throat> a horse business um, because apparently there's a lot of activity in the horses. But anyway, with that, I guess that's the end of this week's user-friendly finance. We'll be back next week. This is Dave Weaver. Give us a call 706-0700.
David Weaver and Megan Walls, securities offered through HD Vest Investment Services. Member SIPC, advisory services offered through HD Vest Advisory Services, 6333 North State Highway 161, 4th Floor, Irving, Texas, 75038, 972-870-6000. SWC Wealth Management is not a registered broker-dealer or independent investment advisory firm. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.